Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Now, we are in our last week of Elijah. Um, and I actually, when I started just working through the message again this morning, um, I figured, yes, I could probably do another four weeks of it. But, but we are in our last week of Elijah. Um, and then next week, we're going to look at the purpose of Easter. And then on Easter, we're going to look at a message um, from God's perspective looking down at us. Uh, we always see Easter us looking up at the cross. But I really feel that Easter is about what God sees when He looks down at us. So join us for that. And then after that, um, I feel that God is, is leading me to, to start a series on dealing with hurt and pain. Um, and how to deal with hurt and pain. Um, how, how to deal with, with some of the hurts and the struggles that you currently have. Um, and some of the ones that you might have, might have um, you're, hiding, you're hiding them. And you think that's a way of dealing with it. Um, and I do believe that God wants to deliver us uh, from, from some of our hurts and pains that, that we've been just, we haven't dealt with them yet. So I really feel it's God's timing for that message. I pray about all the messages that we do. I pray and ask God, God, lead me in what you feel our body needs to hear next. Um, and, and I feel that's the direction that he's leading us in. Okay, so uh, last week of Elijah. One of the most important things that I want all of us to, to gain out of this whole series is the principle of, I want the fire to fall here. I, I want the fire of God to fall. I want the fire of God to fall in all of our lives. I want the fire of God to fall in your life. And for some of you, that's a scary thought. And it might simply be because you don't know what it means to have the fire of God fall in your life. Fire of God means three things. And this is a brief recap for everybody that went to Palm Springs and Mexico. You know who you are, who are not as holy as the rest of us that were here. And I feel I need to catch you up. Um, so, so for everybody who went on holiday, we still love you, but you're behind. So, so this is, this is the, the catch up, the quick, quick three-minute three thing regarding the fire. The fire of God that we want in our lives. Number one, and this is worldwide, there needs to be the fire of God in our lives, which is a symbol of God being God. We have to restore the awe and the honor for God in the world. We have to restore that. And if you don't have a mindset in your own heart or, or the thinking or even the heart of honoring God, of God is greater than what you are, that, need, that fire needs to come again. It's, and I want you to pray this when you have time and when you're spending time in prayer, pray God. Um, it, the Bible speaks of the fear of God. The fear of God. Now that fear of God, I'm not praying that you get to a place where you are scared of God, but that fear of God that needs to be restored in our lives is the honor for who God is. It's like when you walk in somebody's presence that is so much greater than you are, that, that needs to be restored in our hearts. The, the second part of the fire that I want to fall in our lives is the symbol of God's acceptance and His approval of the sacrifices that we are making. So, so it's, you're going to start changing your life. You're going to start living differently. And the fire of God's going to come. And what's, what happens when we start making 
hard decisions, hard choices, but we're doing it based on God's Word, and the fire of God comes and He burns away the hurt and the chaff and the nonsense that we've allowed to infiltrate our lives. I want the fire of God to come burn away all my own thinking, all my own opinions, and I want His. I'm hungry for that fire and I hope you get it. And what that means is, is that you bring everything that you can think about and you put it on the table before God and say, God, if this is not you, if this is my opinion, consume it. I don't want it. I sacrifice all of it, which means we have to reflect on every area of our lives, which means some of us might have to repent from what we think theologically um, is correct and it's not. Uh, I, pre, I was thinking I'm going to probably have to, like Ryan has been, he's so on fire for God, which I love. So he's been sending me messages this week. I'm listening to your messages from 2014. I'm going, uh-oh. <laughs> I can't even remember what I said then. And I think there were many things that I said that was wrong. Not intentionally, but there's, why? Because I'm growing in my relationship with God. And as God reveals himself more to me, I realize sometimes I say things because that's what religion would say. That's not what relationship says. So, so Ryan, keep listening. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we, but we're growing. Amen? We're all growing. I, I don't want stuff that's not from God. I want the fire of God to burn those things away. I don't want to hold on to religion. I hope you're with me in that. I do not want to hold on in religion. I want God to be real in my life. Um, and the last part is the fire is a symbol of God's presence. The fire of God is the symbol of the power of God in our lives. It's decision making. It's wisdom. It's insight. It's praying for somebody and seeing God doing the miraculous. The fire of God in my life is where I've let go of the, the stuff that needs to be burned away. And now suddenly God starts working through me. And people look at, my, look at my life and they see God's presence. Uh, we have the twins, for those of you that don't know. We actually have twins in church that sings um, in our worship team. It's not the same one that sings every week. There's two of them. Some of you, what? Yes, there's two of them. And what I love this morning, and it's... They've been leading worship. They've been involved in worship for, for a long time, and it's amazing to see their growth. But what struck me this morning from, from the difference in worship is we have the stands because we're trying to control, for those of you who don't know sound, trying to control microphone levels and everything else. But this morning, the difference in Megan worshiping, she got to the place where having the mic on the stand was not good enough. And she took it off the stand and started singing from her heart. That, for me, is the place where God's power starts flowing. I could see the presence of God in that. And that's what I want for you when you walk every single day in the world. I want people to look at you and see, wow, there's something different. Like, you're growing. You're developing. You're becoming more like God. Fire produces growth. I'm hungry for the fire of God in my life. Um, and I want to tell you, it's not something to be scared of. It's not something to be fearful of. It's something to desire, something to go after. Because the fire is necessary for us to grow. Man and I just realize how important growth is. 
Because our desire for me, for my growth is, I cannot pass on something to my kids which I don't have. And we have to be a generational church. We have to be a generational people where I want my children to have a greater fire than what I have, but I don't want them to have no fire and I don't want the fire that I give them just to be a little flame. I already want it to be like a fire pit fire. So we are to be a church that passes the fire of God on to the next generation from our relationship with God. But you will have no spiritual legacy. And this is what we looked at last week. If you're not willing to make some sacrifices, if you just all talk and you're not, you're not doing anything, you're not making any changes in your life to have more of God in your life. And, and sometimes to follow God, it means that you have to kiss some things goodbye. Sometimes it means you have to make some changes. So this lifestyle that I want us to have as a people, as children of God, it's a lifestyle. It's not a once-off. It's a lifestyle of pursuing Him. And, and what I experienced in our lives, just answering, saying yes to God's call in our lives, it wasn't just a once-off thing. It's a continually saying yes to what He wants us to do. So let's get to Elijah. What help happens next with Elijah? What happens between the time he puts the mantle on him, so, so he's going to put, so Elijah walked past, past Elisha. He puts the mantle on him, said to him, Elisha, you are going to be my successor. You are going to be the next prophet of the nation. What happens between him getting the mantle on him for the first time and Elisha receiving a double portion from God? There's some time, there's like some things that happens in between. And in that gap, that gap between him having a double portion and just receiving the mantle. That gap is called 2 Kings 2, chapter 2. And we're going to look at what happens there. It says the following. When they crossed over, 2 Kings 2 verse 2, this is the gap. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So, so this is Elisha's request from Elijah. I want double the amount of God that you have. And Elijah says, you've asked the hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you. For if not, it should not be so. So he says, you want a double portion? If you want a double portion, you better keep your eye on me. You better be, keep following me. If you see me when I go, you will get a double portion. If you don't see me, you will not get a double portion. So for those of you thinking Elijah's mind, I better keep my eye on Elijah. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't be separated from him. I have to go where he goes. So, so now we're at that point. It says, and it came about when the Lord was about to take Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah with, was with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent, sent me to go to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went on to Bethel. First test. It says, Stay here. Elisha, I'm going to go on to Bethel. We're currently in Gilgal. I'm going to go to Bethel. Elisha, stay here. And Elijah's like, uh-uh. 
you're not getting rid of me that easy. And it said that Elisha went with Elijah. So Elijah didn't keep Elisha from going, but he tested his commitment. God will test your commitment. And it's not because uh, I sometimes have, some of us have this image of God that God is testing us with the hope that we fail. God tests our commitment with the hope that we succeed because as we succeed in our commitment, we grow. God wants us to grow. So God will test your commitment. Because anybody can say, yeah, praise God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Anybody can make noise. In the church, we have a lot of noisemakers. Oh, how deep. You can't go under it. How high you can't go over it. How wide you can't get around it. I can't remember the song, but I know those are some of the words. <laughs> right? We have, we have many people that say, oh, God's love is so deep and so high and so wide. But, but when it comes to making choices and making decisions and changing our lifestyle, all we are is talk. And this was the same for Elisha that Elijah was testing. You say you're going to follow me? Elisha, stay here. First test. No, no. I'm not staying. I'm going. So he was tested in his willingness to follow. Uh, then it goes on. It says, the sons and the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, now the world comes to you and say to you, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. World will come and try and comfort you. Stay with us. Your master's going to die. He's going to pass on anyway. You don't have to go any further. So they came to Jericho and it goes on. And Elijah said, Elisha, stay here. You don't have to go any further. Elisha said, no, 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 no. Where you're going, I'm going. Because I'm not just in it for the fluff and I'm not just in it because I'm saying that I'm in it. I'm proving it with my life. Wherever you go, I will go. And then Elisha, Elijah said to him in verse 6, please stay here for the Lord sent me to the Jordan. So he sent him to Gilgal, sent him to Bethel, sent him to Jericho. And now he's saying the Lord is sending me to the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live there, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Three times. Three times. He said, Elisha, stay behind. Three times Elijah said, stay home. Stay home. Just stay comfortable. And I honestly believe it's a test. And God will test us also in the same way. God will test our commitment. How hungry are you for the fire of God in your life? God will test you. Whether when you came forward, whether it was real or not. When you nod your head and when you say amen and when you sing worship songs. All those things are tests, but not for the purpose for us to fail. God wants us to graduate in our maturity. What is the level of your commitment is a question which every single one of us have to answer for ourselves. 
What is your level of commitment to God's word and to who, who God says he is? It's easy to come to church. There's no competition in church. Everybody's in agreement, right? Well, most of you are in agreement while you're sitting here. But will you keep God as the God of your home is the question. Will his, his, his word, will it remain your final authority? When the world says, oh, it's not, you don't really have to take all of it seriously. Will you follow his direction and his directing, even when it doesn't make sense? Will you do things his way? Will, will the respect and the honor for God Will it be in your home? And I'm not talking about in a weird way. Some of us grow, grew up in, in homes where God was honored in a weird way. Like we had some weird stuff in our home. It was, relationship was lost in our honor and the respect we had. If I dropped the Bible walking to, we went to church three times on a Sunday. We, the, the honor for the word was so extreme. It wasn't for the word Jesus. And what was in the Word. It was for the actual Bible. If I drop the Bible, I have to go home and repent for dropping the Bible. That's not the extent that I'm talking about honor and respect. I'm not talking about having a fear and a hatred for God. But do you have an honor and respect? And is it more than just words? Are you living it out? Can your kids say, my mom and dad are living out honoring God's Word as truth? And I really think that's one of the problems we have today. Our problem is that there are not enough Elijahs. And the second part is we haven't raised up enough Elishas. Dads, have you thrown the mantle onto your children's shoulders? See, we spend too much time following people who can't lead us anywhere. We follow people who can't lead us to have a double portion of God. We follow people who are actually leading us away from it. They might have stuff in this world and it seems appealing, but they don't have God. Maybe you, like many others here, um, have grandparents who didn't have all the stuff that you have. But man, when you speak about them and the relationship with God, there is an honor and a respect and an awe of God in their lives. They were able to praise God with nothing. And many of us don't even praise Him with our abundance. They would walk to church. How many of you have ever heard those stories about how far they had to walk to church? We had to walk to church three miles every Sunday. Uphill both ways. Right? <laughs> ever heard that? We can't drive because it might be a little icy. They didn't mind having three hours of church services, maybe because they had to walk three miles to get there. We struggle to get through an hour. It's because there's a, difference, a different view of who God is and how much value there is in getting to know Him. Spiritual legacy. What spiritual legacy are we leaving behind for our children? I honestly believe God is the most important thing you can leave, more than wealth, more than riches. Relationship with God is the most important thing you can leave for your children. 
Now, um, this is the, the part that I find in the Bible that is so interesting. Man, you should read your Bibles. Your Bibles are awesome. Um, we just did the teaching this week on Genesis, um, where we go chapter for chapter. And there is incredible truths in the Bible, but we have to take the time to read it. There, there's so many amazing things. Now, now there's a track that Elisha goes on. And for us, it just names some cities. Like we said, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. Right? For us, it's just city names. But the New Testament, this is the Old Testament. In the New Testament, this track that Elisha goes on, it's called discipleship. That's the track that Elijah puts Elisha on. Process. That's why I want to encourage every single one of you. Join our impactful discipleship group. Join one. Join one. The purpose of them is so that we can grow and become disciples of Christ. And if you can't join a group, join HeartStrong. HeartStrong is a discipleship program. The, ten, the intention is we should grow as disciples of Christ. Now in 2 Kings 2 verse 9, it says the following. Um, he asked for the double portion. So Elisha asked for a double portion. What happens between him asking for the double portion and him receiving the double portion is discipleship. So you have him walking through these different, I'm going to show it to you. You have him walking through these different locations. And every single one of these locations have a meaning. The first location we look at is called Gilgal. Gilgal. What happened in Gilgal? In Gilgal, God removed the praise of Egypt from Israel. Okay, so some of them, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, so the nation of Israel, they were captives in Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves. And then when God led them out of Egypt into freedom to, towards the promised land, you have these people who have the mindsets of slaves. Now I'm following God and following God is not easy. If anybody told you following God's an easy thing, they are not telling you the truth. But following God, if we stick to it and we are committed, you will receive a double portion. So they are currently out of enslaved, being slaves, being enslaved, and they're walking towards the promised land. And while they are walking towards God's promises for their lives, they are constantly looking back at Egypt and desiring what they had when they were slaves. So at Gilgal, God removes the praise of Egypt from Israel's lips. Egypt is the world. Heading towards, they are now heading away from the world, heading towards the promised land. So the children of Israel, when you leave enslavement, when you leave the world, we have to stop praising the world and start speaking towards what God says in the promised land. They always kept looking back at Egypt. They still loved Egypt. As there's, there's some of us, like you've been enslaved with addictions. You've been enslaved with, with even hurt. Some people hold on to their hurts. They are enslaved by them. And when they speak, because they, it's so much part of them, they speak as if it is their identity. We hold on to our past hurts instead of moving forward towards where God wants us to go. So God says, I want to remove 
you talking about praises about what you were in the world and I want you to focus towards where I want you to go. So the first step for Elisha was let go of the world and the past. The reason why some of us are delaying or being delayed in our experience of God is because we are still loving Egypt. So it takes him through this process. We have the slave world mindset. I'm a puppet of the world and it determines my footsteps. And God said, no, I, I have to get you released from that. So Elijah took Elisha to Gilgal, first place. First place God wants to take us also. So we can leave yesterday behind. And then he took him to Bethel. Isn't it interesting that just in city names, how God has a process in mind that he wants to teach us on the process that we should go through in our lives so that we can experience a double portion of him. So then he took him to Bethel. Gilgal passed Bethel, Genesis 28 and Genesis 35. In Bethel, Jacob, uh, Jacob, somebody in the Old Testament, he was in Bethel. And it's in Bethel where he heard the voice of God for the first time. It was where he saw the ladder that came down from heaven and the angels were going up and down on the ladder in Bethel. And God spoke to him at Bethel. God changed his name and God gave him a new character. Bethel is where God changes you. Bethel is where he reveals to you who he is. And he's not just a God out there anymore. But Bethel is, is where you start hearing God for yourself. He starts leading and guiding you on the inside. Bethel is also called the house of God. In other words, he took him to the place where he could hear God for himself. You do not have to depend on me anymore to tell you what God is saying. You can hear him personally. And the process of discipleship is the same. You see, he took him first to Gilgal because he needed to know you'll never hear God as long as you're listening to the world. Step one. Step two, took him to Bethel because now that you, you're not allowing the world to tell you what to do and what not to do, God is free to talk to you and you are able to hear him yourself. But now that God is free to talk to you, he's going to take you to Jericho. See, back in Gilgal, we left the world behind. Then we moved to Bethel, where we can now hear God's voice. So now that you are hearing my voice, God says, I want to take you to Jericho. And what happens in Jericho? The miraculous. Miracles. Now what miracle happened in Jericho? The walls came tumbling down. Israel stepped into the promised land and there was an enemy that they had to defeat that lived in the promised land behind the walls of Jericho. And God told them, because remember now they've gone from, from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho. So God told them that this is the strategy that I want you to have to defeat Jericho. For six days, you're going to walk around the city once. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around it seven times and then you're going to shout. Come on now. We know the story. But if we didn't know the story, 
And we saw somebody walking around a city walls thinking that they're going to feed, defeat the people that's inside without doing anything. We would think foolishness. What are these people doing? Seven times, shout, ah, it's not going to do anything. Doesn't make any sense. It's a terrible military strategy. But you see, if you haven't passed Gilgal, so you're looking to the world's advice, if you haven't graduated to Bethel so that you've learned to hear God's voice, you're not going to do what God says in Jericho when He tells you how to get the miracle. But if you let go of Gilgal, what the world says, and if you're listening at Bethel, now you're willing to take action in Jericho, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems like a terrible military strategy. Now, after all of that, so he's taking him from Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. He takes him to the Jordan. You're crossing the Jordan. And it's in the crossing of the Jordan where the transfer happens, where it's no longer Elijah's God, but it becomes your own. See, some of us here, we stuck at Gilgal. Some of us, are we Christian, but we believe the world's ways are stronger than God's ways. We believe our opinions are higher than God's opinions. We believe that God's ways are an option. We haven't left the world, but we're asking for a double portion. Some of us are stuck in Bethel. We've heard the voice of God. Hear God speak, but man, I'm not taking any action. Some of us, okay, I'm going to take some action, but then we get to Jericho and we are struggling to graduate from Jericho because God asked us to do something that doesn't make sense and mama gave me an education. I know I'm not going to do that. I ain't walking around no wall and shouting. I ain't moving anywhere else. I'm not giving of my earnings to somebody in need. I'm not going to lay my hands on somebody who is sick, who's sitting next to me in the bus. What I am going to do is I'm going to take out my anti-sanitizer, get the germs off and double mask. Even if God tells me to pray for them because he wants to heal them. I ain't doing any of that. I ain't starting over in a new land or a new town or a new country. It doesn't make sense, God. I'll, I'll do anything that makes sense to me. So we stuck at Jericho. And some of us, we are so excited. This is the other part of Jericho. We've got both sides of Jericho people in the church. We've got people that are so excited about Jericho, about what happened in Jericho. They, they want to stay in Jericho. I'm not moving from Jericho, man. There was a miracle and everybody should come to Jericho. And we're going to make homes here. And everybody's going to live here. And all we're going to live for is experiences. Oh, just the one experience and manifestations and, and miracles and signs and what. That's all we're after. And God says, no, you're not supposed to live in Jericho. Jericho is simply part of your discipleship program. Don't skip it, but don't live there. God wants to do miracles in your life. He wants to, but you have to be obedient. 
And then don't just stay there because I was obedient once and God did something amazing. Now I never want to move from there. And the other part that's, that's also kind of strange is we think if God does it a certain way once, He's going to do it the same way again. No. God didn't tell them to walk around any other city's wall. It's only one. We must be willing to move towards the double portion of God. So some of us are stuck at Jericho and we never get to the Jordan where the double portion is handed out. And I sometimes wonder, I'm thinking, God, what does a double portion mean for us as your people? Because really, what can be greater than seeing signs and wonders and miracles? What can be greater than that? God. That's what. Knowing God's with you. Knowing that when you walk and when you make decisions, like I've got a decision to make now, and you have so much faith and trust that I know when I'm going to pray now, I know God leads me in my decision making. It's not a once-off thing somewhere there. It becomes part of my life. It becomes part of who I am. It becomes part of my, my home, my honor, my respect for God in my home. It becomes part of who we are. It's not an event thing. It's a life thing. Every day, God's part of my life. The way I speak to people, the way I look at people, the fruit that I carry, all of those things, I want God in my life. So it, it's a progression. There needs to be growth in all of us. Where you are now, just sit for a moment and think, in the last month, have I grown in my relationship with God? Just think on your own. Just close your eyes. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Close your eyes and think about it. And you're the only one that knows your answer. There has to be growth. There has to be movement. When Anjo, when they were in elementary school, um, they had an event at track and field, and it was called softball toss, to see who can throw a ball the furthest. When they moved into the high school, they no longer have softball toss. They now have javelin because there's a progression. I have not seen softball toss at the Olympics. It's not there because we've grown. There's a development that happens and we move on. And I hope that God, if he's not real to you yet, he wants to be real. And to me, it means that if you are saying, God, I want your fire in my life, it means that you are set up for exciting times. Now, please understand the process. There is a process involved to where you get to a place where, and, and don't hate the process. Embrace it. It's okay to learn that, man, I have to let go of my past. It's okay. It's actually fantastic to identify. I am holding on to Egypt. And I have to let go of Egypt. It's a good thing to know that. It's a good thing to know that I get to a place where I'm no longer holding on to Egypt. I can now hear God for myself. It's a good thing to know now that I hear God, I have to start taking action steps with what He's telling me to do. It's graduating. It's the process of growth. And growth requires action. Some of us, 
want somebody just to give it to me. I cannot give you your growth. I cannot. The church, our, our mandate is not to cause you to grow. We do want to give programs and opportunities that set you up for growth. But I cannot determine your growth. You are the only one that determines how much you are going to grow. Nobody else. Sometimes, um, and you might have seen this, and I've experienced it, I've seen this. I've, I've had people that have, that have experienced incredible miracles. Fantastic miracles. But the problem is, because they haven't gone through the process of growth, a week later, they just backed where they were before in Egypt. Because they haven't let go of Egypt yet. And sometimes we wonder, wow, how can that person be back doing that again? It's because the discipleship program hasn't happened in their lives where they are able to hold on to God for themselves instead of depending on other people to be God for them. And this is exactly what Elisha and Elijah went through. Elijah, um, let's get to the last part. The worship team can come up. Just before Elisha goes into heaven, it says in 2 Kings 2, after he asked for a double portion, and they were walking along and talking, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fine, um, of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I want to see that recording. Um, and Elisha saw it and cried out. He said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. And then he took hold of his clothes. He tore it into pieces. And he says, my father, my father. But Elijah was not his father. Elijah was to Elisha what I'd like to call in the church, mentors, shepherds, pastors, leaders, Kingdom life coaches, home group leaders, impactful discipleship leaders. My father, my father, somebody that you are going to come and submit under and learn from. I cannot find an example in the Bible where Elisha taught Elijah. He was willing to learn and grow. So make sure you hang around people that's going to help you to grow and mature in your faith. And it's not me. It is the people in the body. I love the, the fact that with impactful discipleship, we have people now connecting with people to help them grow. Join a life group if you haven't joined one yet. They are amazing. The leaders that we have selected are people who we trust whose relationships we trust and who I know can teach you more about who God is so that you can grow in your relationship with Him also. He says he tore his clothes in sorrow in verse 13 and he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the Jordan, the bank of the Jordan. And he took, now watch this. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and he struck the water and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when it had also struck the waters, then they divided here and there and Elisha crossed over. So Elijah's take up in the whirlwind. His mantle falls. Elisha picks up the mantle of Elijah, goes to the Jordan and he strikes the Jordan River. And he asks a question. And the question is, where is the God of Elijah? 
He took the mantle, struck the water. Where is the God of Elijah? And what he is talking about here is he's saying, he's saying, listen, this is no longer just Elijah's God. This is mine now. I have him with me. You said, if I see you go, that you are going to be with me, double portion. Now, I am going to walk in my own relationship with you. And I'm no longer depending on Elijah for my relationship. I am taking what he's passed on to me. It's now going to become mine. And I'm going to pass it on to those that's gonna come after me. It's time for me to walk personally with him now. What are you leaving behind for the next generation? My hope is when God takes me out of here, if it is because um, He's moving us somewhere else for another ministry, if it is because I'm 94 and I'm dying, whichever one it is, whatever He's leading, wherever it leads us, whatever the reasons are for God taking me out of here, my biggest desire is that we will never in this church settle for smooth talking lips that have a fake relationship with God that just wants to, to gently, I want to say inaccurately give people the understanding of who God is. I do not want us to be a church where God is not God. Let it be known, Life Church is a church where God is God and we are not. Let it be known at Life Church, we are a church where we have we have respect and awe and honor for God's word as truth. And we will not allow culture or politics or any other situation to change God's word to suit the outside world. The word is God's word at Life Church. Let it be known we will have a legacy where relationship with God is priority. Let it be known our legacy will be that we will be a church that makes generations of mantles that's gonna be passed on from the one to the next. That is who we have to be as a church and not only so that, so that the, the, the church can grow and the church can survive, but for the purpose, I want my children to live the best life they can possibly live and my children's children and my children's 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 children. I know some people think God's coming this year. I don't think so. I want us to be a body that distributes mantles for generations. And that will not happen if you don't have an awe for God, if you don't have the holy fear of God in your life. Raise your value and your view of God. Call down His fire. Raise your way of doing and walk with His fire. Raise your appearance and resemble His fire. We are to value His Word, value God. Fathers, lead your homes. Mothers, lead your homes. Make God priority. And what happens is your children can have a double portion of what you have. It's possible. We see it in His Word. But don't hate the process. And some of you are here, you're new to Christianity, new to faith, and you, I know some of you want to run, like you, yeah, I'm all for it. Trust the process. 
trust the process like everything else. Growth will happen. Just stick to it. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. Stay committed. Do the things that He tells you to do. You'll see the fruit. We're going to sing one more song um, to end this, this service with. Amen. And this song for me, whenever I sing it, and it, it's the same as I speak Jesus. When it gets to that place where it says, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. That gets to me. Jesus for my family. Oh, there's nothing more that I want than that. And then when we sing this song, Blessing, which we're going to sing now, it says, uh, uh, the part when it's, uh, uh, be upon, may His favor be upon you for a thousand generations. And your family, their children, oh, it hits me. Oh, I can't. <laughs> uh, it's funny. <laughs> I can't sing it, but I'm so passionate about it. And his children and children's children. Really passionate about it. Let's be a legacy church. Amen. Let's sing that. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.